hey John, how's it going? Uh... I... <laughs> I say like we weren't just talking and I interrupted a fucking stupid conversation about Doomer Wave uh, core music. I love Doomer Wave. I, I love <laughs> when I mildly manipulate popular songs to make them fit a certain aesthetic. Uh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm hanging out. I... Okay, I gotta stop scrolling through this thing. It's it, it. This you're right. This was this is fascinating. Pearl Jam. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, okay, okay. girls just want to have fun by Cindy Lauper's at the very end of the playlist, which I think is very funny. Why is that? Why is that Doomer Wave? <laughs> I, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. I'm not sure how though. Anyway, how how are you doing? How are you doing today, John? What's going on? I'm I'm hanging out. I'm chilling. Uh. I haven't really done anything in the past few days. Uh, I've just been ready to talk about the Homestuck epilogues. Let's go. Um, I was, I actually, uh, I was going to bring up, I've, uh, in what I've been doing since we last recorded, I started, um, I started Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Uh, I thought that might be of interest to you. Have you played it Um, before? No, uh, I finished kingdom hearts 2 for like the fourth time a couple of uh, months ago and i decided i should probably play a different kingdom hearts game um and i decided on birth by sleep because i was the most curious about where the story uh goes or like where it picks up on the story mm-hmm. um and uh I-, I think that that game is very funny um contrasted with uh kh1 and 2 because both of those games start out with a uh kind of devoid of context little character intro where we get to meet um we get to like meet like Sora and his friends or Roxas and his friends and it's a very um small scope setup that will eventually turn the game birth by sleep is just like from the intro it's just like yeah this is about how they gaslight tear to death (laughs) that's what's again yeah that that's exactly what it is (laughs) yeah it, it, it like the way that it just jumps into it with like Okay, uh, Terra and Aqua and Ventus are all friends, and Ventus is like a ten-year-old for some reason, um, and also everything everything is about to go horribly wrong. It just goes so fast. It's very fun. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm, I really appreciate it. How how far have you gotten into it? I think I'm like halfway through Terra. Okay. Uh, I just got. I started doing like the second wave of like the Disney worlds. Gotcha. Yeah, um, I I'm a I'm a I'm a big birth by sleep enjoyer uh however i do think the fact that it is very much a psp game has aged it considerably last time last time i played it i was like man this is really a psp game yeah i'm playing the the pc port of the um like the 2.5 yeah whatever it is whatever it is the final mix version um and yeah it's a it's, uh, I never had a PSP growing up, um, so, like, I always saw PSP games as, like, you know, they were a little bit more, uh, polished than DS games, a little bit more res and stuff, but, like, now that we're in 2022 and the PSP is just as much of an old shitty handheld as the DS, it's like, man, this is kind of rough. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that just reminded me, uh, my, my, my PSP story. Uh, I, 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 I had played the PSP a considerable bit before I got my own PSP. Like a friend let me borrow mm-hmm. it so that I could play Kingdom Hearts. Uh, but 
my my grandma found a PSP at a yard sale for like considerably cheap and she got it for me and it was like loaded to the brim with porn oh my lord <laughs> and I, I i didn't know what to do <laughs> i was like oh. <laughs> what did you do uh I, I was really bothered by it, <laughs> so I just, like, didn't touch it. I, I, I just didn't touch it for a really long time, and then eventually I, 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 I wiped the storage on it and just chose to never think about it again because, man, who's who's out here loading their PSP with porn? How, how old were you when this happened? Oh, this was... Hmm. When did the PSP come out? I have no idea. Uh came out in 2004 so it would have been pretty free and young so i would have been like uh i think i was i was 10 when this happened 10 11 around that age yeah i feel like 10 11 around that age i probably would have like just been kind of upset like i, I it, it it was so it was so weird because like <laughs> it, it was something that i found out like immediately because like i turned it on and the wallpaper was was naked ladies <laughs> and, and I, I was like, "What am I supposed to do about this?" <laughs> no, the, the fucking the, God. That, that's like the that's so funny to to look like, but just loading your PS like the the PSP being like your portable jack off device. Um, I don't even know what to say about it besides, like, a, the the procession of technology and time has probably made that much funnier. But, like, even contemporarily, like, that is... It, having just, like, a game system that you just load up with all of your porno is just, like, hilariously unnecessary. Yeah. The, the, thing, the thing about it, there was no, like game save data on there either it was it was dedicated yeah yeah it was a dedicated device i was like 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 i i thought about it years later i was like what was did this person even have any like umds like did they have like girls gone wild on umd like what (laughs) what was this person like man uh if you're listening and you're the prior owner of john's psp uh (laughs) Get in contact with us. Let me know. I gotta know what kind of person you are. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we want to know this. (laughs) Alright. You want to talk about Homestuck? I would love to talk about Homestuck because I... (laughs) I made a post saying that the epilogues were rewiring my brain and then like a a day or two later you quote retweeted it. uh, With I, I assume after doing this reading... So mm-hmm. I, I I'm excited to know how you feel today. <laughs> um, I'm not sure. There's just a lot to go over, and uh, may- maybe maybe we will figure this out uh, on the way through it. All right, let's All get right. to it. Then. So, okay. So, um, some of some of us may remember, may recall that at the end of Epilogue three, we left off last time. Uh, we were met with the revelation that Dirk has been. Narrating this whole thing, um, and it, the, the, the contents of meat so far have, uh, presumably just all been part of a grand plan by Dirk, um, that the existence, right down to, like, the existence of the story and it being conveyed to us in the way it is. 
so yeah, um, that's that's quite a quite a leg to start this one off on. Um, but uh, it is uh, you 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 split this one up on a good point, I think, because a lot of this uh reading centers around like Dirk's position as being the narrator and uh his relationship to that position, right? Um, okay, so, epilogue four, uh, chapter 18, um, we, John wakes up, um, and all the narration is now Dirk's text color, uh, which, uh, as I alluded to last time, makes it obnoxiously hard to read in the light conditions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, anyway, so, John wakes up, uh, in the void, uh, uh, where the battle is taking place, um, everything is gone. Uh, fucking nothing around him. Nobody's there. Does not feel great. Um, consi- John considers uh, that really he's done his work. There's nothing stopping him from going home at this point. But uh, something is holding him back from just zapping out. Uh, he doesn't want to go back yet. Uh, he considers uh what's he considers what's going on um and he thinks oh i should go and uh find jane or jade yeah and also considers uh something else he might be hung up on someone else on his mind well dirk considers that um and we end off this chapter with uh john coming across his dad's wallet uh floating through the void yo i remember the wallet whoa <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, uh, we really, uh, calls attention to the wallet at the end of this chapter, which is kind of curious, because it does not really dwell on it much when we are going to come back to John in a minute. Do do you recall where the wallet last was chronologically? <sighs> Remind me. Uh, well, the last person we know who had it chronologically was, I believe, Aradia. Because it was sewed into Locale, and then Locale ended up on Alternia. So, okay, Aradia was probably the last person who had the wallet. Huge. First time we've talked about Aradia during the epilogues. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I will, I will remember this detail. Um, anyway. Uh, back to the B-plot. So, chapter 19, um, we, uh, join in on Jade attempting to sway Roxy and Calliope on the whole Jane election affair. Um, Roxy is pretty uncomfortable at this whole, uh, what the introduction of the political has done to their friend group. Um, Roxy and Calliope kind of just want to have a nice little... Don't don't want to bring politics into this whole thing, uh, into this whole into their whole like friend arrangement, um, and or consider, uh, or blah, 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 blah. Roxy and Clap really don't appreciate the way that uh, Jade and Dave talk about Jane, as it were. Um, Roxy does not want to think about Jane in terms of being like a crypto fascist, um. And, uh, Calliope feels much the same way. Um, there's a, after this, uh, kind of awkward, uh, impasse between Jade and the two of them, uh, we also, uh, 
we get we get gender. We get gender happening. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Roxy reveals uh, that both uh, Roxy and Calliope are identifying as non-binary at this point. Um, are no longer uh, doing gender, as Jade puts it. Um. Yeah. Uh. Dirk has some thoughts on this as well. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So the first reaction. Uh, Jade is kind of um like initially uh surprised um but like immediately uh is accommodating and is nice about it uh worried that she's made some kind of cultural misstep initially with calliope um means well uh dirk does not dirk through the narration does not appear appear to mean well um I'll just read this this paragraph that stuck out to me, because uh, I, I, I feel like there's a lot going on in here. Yeah. Um, okay. Roxy? Seriously? Like I said, fucking inscrutable. I never would have guessed. Not that I've spent much time contemplating issues related to gender. I'm pretty secure in my expression of masculinity, and you know what? Fuck this. I don't know anyone an explanation of any sort on this topic. I'm confident with who I am, what I am, my gender, as well as my understanding of the concept. You want my honest opinion? It's fucking fantastic. Good for them. Both of them. I mean, but also both of them in a singular fashion, since each one can now individually be referred to by the conventionally plural word them. I'm ecstatic for this personal development they've embraced, for the people they are, the lack of gender they identify with, and the pronouns they prefer. I've got no problem with it whatsoever, and frankly, it's fucking insulting anyone would ever imagine otherwise. So yeah... I'm gonna allow it. Carry on. Patrick Bateman shit to say. What yeah. the fuck is going on? Yeah, to say all that and then say <laughs> I'm gonna allow it is uh, it's really something. It, it really paints a picture of how Dirk is like viewing everything right now. Yeah, and uh, there's a, a couple other instances. There's at least one other instance of like the I'm gonna allow it type vein that I we're we're definitely gonna hop back on this, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Dirk's attitude is already Dirk's attitude is kind of strange. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a part in the dialogue on the next page where like uh, Jade seems J- Jade like for a moment seems to have like kind of apprehension about uh what Roxy just confided in her. Um, trying to understand it, and Dirk kind of interjects here, like, uh, she has her own concerns about this, her own thoughts, reasonable thoughts, I'd say, like, this just reads like trying to, um, what's the word, like, piggyback off somebody else's acceptable, like, base, acceptable baseline to sneak in just being weird and shitty about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh... And, yeah, I'm not going to call out every instance where, like, Dirk will misgender either Roxy or Calliope and then, like, make a big fucking show out of it for no reason. Um, but it, it, that, that also happens a couple of times, and it will happen a couple more times while Dirk is narrating. Um, the, the Dirk's use of the... Dirk's use of woke, also. Uh, I don't know if it begins here, but... I feel like I have to start calling it out here because this is also, I think, another 
point of discourse that the, this book is obviously stepping into that I that we need to keep track of. Yeah. Um. Like, what is it? Uh, so Roxy is like articulating like, um, how they feel about like uh, the our whole concept of gender on Earthsea has been brought here, imported from the let's see. Uh, imported from the quote-unquote the imagination of a bunch of dumb teens, which is like you know, true. Um, Jade agrees. Uh, and Dirk in the narration, um, is like, uh, yeah, of course she's gonna come across as woke on this, like come across as like you know, it's an optics thing, and then yeah. it's like, and then he says, truthfully though, it was making sense to her, like the the disconnect between like it, it. it uh, agreeing with it, like, outwardly and then, like, internally agreeing with it is, like, very... The, it, it's called... The attention is called to it, as Dirk is narrating. Yeah. And, yeah, I think that's the that's the big point. Um... Th- this whole awkward exchange, though, is interrupted, uh, when Jade, uh, suddenly falls unconscious, um, uh, to a vision of a black hole. Uh... Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Okay. All right. Um. Do you want to? Uh, any any thoughts on chapter nineteen? Um. Or uh, like, what what, what what do you think about? Well, okay. We've had our first uh, you know, gendered being talked about in explicit terms. Like, yeah. this this is um, this is the point where we have our roundtable discussion on is dark transphobic. <laughs> Is <laughs> I'm, I'm, in my head, I'm thinking of the the YouTube thumbnail like is Fortnite overrated? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, like probably. Um, I I don't know what to describe. I don't I don't know what to describe Dirk's behavior in this whole thing as. Um, but um, it's weird. <laughs> I would say based on stuff that happens later in this reading. Uh, the way I interpret this, uh, Dirk goes out of his way to say that he can't get a read on Roxy and, uh, attributes that to Roxy being a a void player. Uh, Uh, so from that, we can assume that, that Dirk just does not have any ability to like get a viewpoint of Roxy's mind, like at all. Uh, and i think i think the way that he goes about it is it 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 implies that like he sees like the people that he can get a read on not as people but as characters and and his like weird reaction to roxy being like yeah yeah i uh, non binary too uh it reminds me of like when when a fictional character like comes out as trans and and like fans will like shit the bed and be like uh why are you why are you putting your your woke nonsense into my story there was no hints beforehand that this character was trans you can't just do that It, it it reminds me of that and i i don't know if that's what they're going for but that's what it feels like to me I can see it. I think that's an interesting take on it. Um, 
It's definitely like a control thing. Yeah. Um, as everything is for Dirk, like, uh, this is kind of more clear, I think, later on as it comes up. But, um, it's always like a uh, Dirk is like, uh, acts like he kind of ha- like has the idea, has an idea of like what is really like. Dirk like, clearly just really doesn't respect uh, that Roxy wants to be uh, re- both gender neutral pronouns. Yeah. Um, and like it, it, it strikes me as like a thing of like he's upset that he doesn't have like control over them or like they that they aren't like specifically as he's envisioned them up to this point. Yeah. Um, which I think dovetails well with your the- with like your analysis of it as like uh, another meta commentary thing. Um. But yeah, either way, like Dirk, it, it, Dirk's um refusal to address Roxy uh or Calliope uh with they pronouns is like it, it definitely seems to betray a lot more about Dirk's own sensitivity and like what sets him off than anything about uh either of them. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we're on we're on gender watch now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so let's... Okay, so, Jade. Um, Jade has just fallen unconscious, and in the uh, next chapter, uh, brief two-page chapter, we get a, a window as to where, where she's gone. So, Jade awakens uh, as the Jade... As the Doom Jade, uh, who just fought Lord English. Um, so, already there, an uh, in- interesting perspective shift. I, I wonder if this is indicative of anything happening that we've been introduced to before. Um, but, uh, Jade awakens and she is immediately, uh, overwhelmed by a, a desire, a, a, a compulsion, uh, towards the black hole at the center of the end of the universe. Um, and as, uh, she contemplates the nothingness, uh, we have another voice, uh, jump on the narration. Um, and beckon her, uh, to which Dirk, uh, begins a, begins, as we've already alluded, uh, the, uh, the first in a chain of, uh, many adverse responses to no longer being in complete control of the narration. And, uh, as Jade starts to fall towards the black hole, uh, Dirk urges, we should get the fuck out of here. Um, but not before, uh saying, uh, the dead cherub is making her move. What a fun little so chapter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when this, when, just from this one, at first, I, like, and also the beginning of, like, when the, when we get more of this narration, uh, I thought for a moment that it was Caliborn, uh, because I forgot that Alt-Calliope also talks in red text. <laughs> And I was very confused for a brief moment. <laughs> Caliborn's back, baby! Woo! <laughs> Holy shit! Bring him back. Fuck it. <laughs> so true. What do we have to lose? <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, some shit's going on with Jade. Um, the... Well, first off, like, you know, the... Jade is now... Different memories from different jades are now collecting inside of uh, these different jades. Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's going on. It's going on. 
Um, but also, uh, Calliope is back, and we'll get more on that, uh, shortly. Okay, uh, moving on. Um, back to Dave and Carcat. Woo! Okay. Uh, chapter 21. Um, I, I have this written down in summary as Dave's most cringe chapter. Uh, this is... <laughs> This is some of the most uh, concentrated Dave cringe we've ever received. Hell yeah. Okay. So, um, Dave and Carquette are on the campaign trail, uh, or something. Um, they're, they're visiting the Brood Caverns. Uh, yeah, visiting Kanai in the Brood Caverns. Uh, and the chapter opens on them observing the, the mother grub in some stage of the birthing process. Uh, it's described as, um, where is it? Uh, the majesty of translucent goo getting birthed out of an alien asshole. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so Dave's first cringe count here is, uh, cannot keep his mouth shut about how gross the mother grub is <laughs> in front of Karkat and Kanaya, which is like, you know, it sounds kind of gross. Fair enough. But also should probably have some respect for uh, the what you've been talking about protecting for the past like book. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's see. Kanaya. Uh. Let's see. Uh. Kanaya. So. Um. Demon. Uh. <sighs> Dave, uh, as Kanai enters the conversation, Dave, again, uh, makes another epic faux pas, uh, talking about how, how cool it is that him and Kanaya are sibling-in-laws, and how much he approves of their interspecies marriage, uh, of Rose and Kanai's interspecies marriage. Um, it, it, great, great. <laughs> very, it, it, very uh, just, normal thing to say. <laughs> just, just keep, just keep going, man, just keep going. Um... Anyway, uh, Kanaya steers the conversation back on track, um, and the, from here on out, uh, mostly ignores Dave as she talks to, uh, Carcat. Um, Kanaya really levels, levels with Carcat on a, does not seem to want to include Dave in the conversation as a, he's just being an insensitive kind of fucking weirdo and she wants to talk, she wants to talk to Carcat, like, about troll issues. Um... Kanaya assures Karkat that, uh, she understands, she's completely on his side, um, and she believes in him, uh, she has, she, she tells Karkat that she has faith in him, and that, uh, it would not be the first time that she's put an amount of faith, uh, this amount of faith in him to make things right. Um, and she talks about how much, uh, Jane's campaign pisses her off, um, she says uh, that Jane came to her previously and offered her a position as uh, a, a... She offered her a seat on the Board of Responsible Troll Reproduction, which is a loaded name for something. Yeah. Um, and Kanaya's like, this is fucked up. Uh, of course, uh, we, need, we, need, we need something better than this. Um... There's a bit in here, uh, where, uh, Karkat gets a... Karkat, uh, misdescribes human pregnancy as, um, the human, the, the human infant, uh, eating its way out of its mother's, uh, womb. 
Um, at which point Dave corrects him and uh, Kanaya tells him to check his privilege. Um, I, I am like, I don't know if this joke has just gone over my head or what. I just, I just cannot parse this exchange. I cannot parse who is fucking with who here. <laughs> who knows? Who fucking knows? <laughs> who knows? Kanaya uh, telling somebody else to check their privilege is, Kanaya telling Dave to check his privileges. There's too much... There's too much irony going on here. I, I, I can't... I, there's... An indeterminate amount of irony is happening. Um... Anyway, let's... Uh... They go... They talk... They mention, um... What is it? Uh, Jake and his, uh, crucial... The crucialness of securing his endorsement. Um... Dave asks if Kanaya would uh, maybe try to help uh, sway him, um, and manages to. Uh, can I ask uh, if can I ask if they talked to Rose yet? Dave manages to swing this conversation back around to where we started by asking if they are grub pregnant. Um, just, 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 I wish he would stop talking. Dude, this is too much. Uh, and at this point, Kanaya calls uh, Rose's phone. Dirk picks up and she realizes that there is something very wrong going on. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure I missed something in there. There's a lot of lot of words. Feffery um, name drop. We got a Feffery name drop. Yeah. All right. Uh, what what do you think of this chapter? Um, any anything you want to call attention to? Uh, talk about. Uh, uh besides besides uh, can I bring it up for fairy as an instance of um. Yeah, uh, Kanaya brings up a fairy here as an instance of, as a, comparing her to Jane and, like, um, somebody who, like, she sees as, like, the potential for danger to grow in. Yeah. Uh, and, and makes a comment on, like, the slow, corrupting, uh, influence that power has on people and how, um, what is, well, there's a line in here actually I really liked. I asked, I'm sorry, I asked you to talk and then I immediately found something to talk about. Um, this guy. Where is it? Uh, power corrupts in small steps. Compromises, concessions, appeasements, and leaders follow the example set for them. Look at what Jane has modeled herself after already. I think this is a really fun little line on, like, uh, you know, following tradition. And, I don't know, I think it's a, I think it's a neat little tidbit. Okay. Now your turn. Anything you want? Anything you liked in here? Um, I thought Dirk's interjection about morality being a cultural construct was interesting. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, I I also uh thought that this this line was kind of interesting. Um, the the what he says here is uh. Let's see. Uh, it's pure ego for any of them to believe that their personal interpretation of morality will result in the most effective laws. The most effective laws is, um, I, I think reveal. I think him saying that like it's self-explanatory reveals a lot about how Dirk thinks about uh the people of Earthsea. Yeah. Um, it, that's a. Uh, <sighs> Dismissing morality and then calling for laws to be effective is, um, maybe a red flag for reasons I hope I don't have to un- explain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, what else here? Um, okay. Um, uh, all right. I was going to talk about the Dragon Knight conversation, but that's another chapter. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, let, let, let's, uh, let's, let's move on from this one. Okay. Um, God damn. Dave's just a fucking stupid asshole. <laughs> okay. Uh, 22. Uh, we rejoin on John. Um, who is, uh, still floating through the void. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, not, no mention of the wallet as we come back in here. Yeah. Uh, uh which I, I, was up? Sorry, I heard a sound. I think, I think that was Leon <laughs> that made a sound it, and distracted me. Oh my god. Is Leon picking up my mic? Uh, a, a, a few meows came through, I think. Okay, okay. Uh, Alex, <laughs> leave those in. <laughs> Woo! Um, I do think it's interesting that that the 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 chapter we just covered, uh, Feffrey is name dropped and named as as a character that had potential to like go wrong, uh, uh-huh. and then immediately Mino shows up in the next chapter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mina. Mina does show up in this chapter. Um, that would have been a way, that would have been a really good segue if I had thought about that, if I caught that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, uh, yeah, John, uh, in the void, um, not really thinking about the wallet, which is where we left off on, uh, but instead, uh, Mina appears. Um, so... Uh, pretty much out of nowhere, uh, John encounters Mina, uh, hanging out on a server beacon, uh, in the void. Um, interesting detail to call attention to, uh, very specific object that has been, I believe at this point, associated exactly with, um, the server hosting the code that would enter, that, like, let Lord English enter the universe, uh, and also, um, Spain Slick. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very end of Homestuck. Yeah. Traveling around in there. So, from this, I believe we can infer that something's going on with Mina in that, uh, that corner of the Homestuck universe. Um, but yeah, uh, Mina is here. Uh, and John is just jumping at the bit to talk to anybody that he can. Um, Unfortunately, this is kind of a shitty conversation. Uh, John asks uh, if Mina has seen Jade around, um, prompting the uh, what we talked about last week, which is that uh, the revelation that Mina doesn't fucking know who Jade is. Why would she? Um, just because she's an important character doesn't mean that, that uh, Mina would have any idea who she is. Um, John and Mina realize they don't even know each other's names. Um, and... Uh, the and that's it is an awkward exchange where not a lot happens. Um, John asks uh, if anybody else has been around. Uh, Mina says, "Nope, you're the first person I've seen." Um, and then John awkwardly propositions her if she wants to come back uh, to Earth C with him. Uh, she kind of looks him up and down, uh, declines, um, and then moves in uh, to uh, to whisper him a secret. At which point she pickpockets the ring of life off him, uh, calls him a nerd, and uh, dips the fuck out. 
this can't be good for the economy. This is this is terrible. This will be terrible for the economy. <laughs> yeah, uh M- Mina Mina shows up briefly. Uh long enough long enough exactly for John to awkwardly ask if she wants to go home with him and for her to steal the ring of life. So that's going on, I guess. Um we're putting a pin in it. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back to it later. Uh, okay. I, I, I did think the the opening of this chapter was really interesting. Uh, s- specifically uh, in the build-up to the question, why shouldn't we become one god? Uh, yeah. And then John is immediately like, why am I thinking about this? That Because g- Dirk, Dirk will like... Dirk will tell us when a character is thinking about something. But this mm-hmm. feels more like this is purely just what Dirk is saying and John is not actually thinking this of his own free will. Uh, and I feel like this is an implication as to what Dirk's final goal is, maybe? Perhaps. It's a little bit pointed. Yeah, the the, the mask... Dirk's mask has really started to slip since he revealed himself to us. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of like this kind of thing. Um, of like Dirk's thoughts being just interjected straight up into the narration because Dirk is now talking directly to us yeah. as Dirk. Um, but yeah, the 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 John the 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 way that manifests in like the John chapters is kind of interesting, especially here because like it comes across more like Dirk is talking to John and not us. Yeah. Leon is meowing again. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it's a, it, it's 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 a little bit. Uh, it, it, I wonder. It makes me wonder whether like this is supposed to be like Dirk. Dirk is like trying to tell these things, put these things in John's head, or whether like Dirk is just kind of uh, rambling because he feels comfortable uh, being himself around us. Yeah. Uh, like he's talking to us or John. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Basically, what I'm feeling now is that uh, Dirk is trying to achieve uh, instrumentality. He's trying to pull a Evangelion on us. Yeah. Uh, because we've, we've talked about ultimate selves, uh, and that's the, the breaking of the barriers between versions of a single person. So who is to say you can't do the same thing for for individual people? Mm-hmm. Why? We'll, let's see. If your perception expands beyond the meat sack of your body, are you really an individual anymore? Why shouldn't we become mo- gods? Why shouldn't we become one god? Uh, yeah. Dirk has a... is thinking some interesting things about the nature of humanity. He's been watching too much anime. <laughs> he really has been. I think Dirk... I think Dirk took the wrong message away from him and killing him. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, to, to each their own. To each their own. That's, that's not how I read it. Um, for more on that, you can go to Patreon. <laughs> no, this episode of public for like a while. Um, yeah, uh, we we do get that little bit from Dirk, uh, suggesting towards his true motivations. Um, I'm having a phenomenological debate in my third ear. It's way more popping than your little hero's journey into the belly of a quarter life crisis. <laughs> John, arg. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Dirk's up to some anime shit, um, 
and John has had the Ring of Life uh, stolen by Mina. Okay. Speaking of Dirk, um, the next chapter is horrible. Uh, it, yeah, it is, it is Dirk fucking with Kanaya on the phone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, then, then, uh, lying to Rose and not telling her that her wife is looking for her. Um, it's, uh, it's, it is, it is straight up heinous. It's fucked up. I don't like it. Yeah. This, this conversation really brings me back to the, 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 the conversation that Dirk had uh, during the wrestling match at the start of meet about like, you know, like playing things up, being a villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if that's the case, he's really getting into it here. Um, Cause I cannot think of many things more like just straight up villainous than uh, doing your evil monologue to to Kanaya while enacting uh dubious designs uh directing Rose's ascension. Yeah. Um I don't know how much else there is to say about it. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I don't think there is much else to say about it because that really is just what happens in this chapter. Yep. All right. So, uh we we return to to John, um, then, uh, Mina has disappeared. Um, John kind of sits around wondering what he's gonna do, um, as his uh, condition worsens. Uh, it's it's pretty clear that John is not all right. Um, not giving much thought to going back home. Uh, constant attentions or there's constant attention called to his physical symptoms and how like his vision is blurry. Like not doing good. Not yeah. doing good. Um, but uh, out of nowhere, uh, uh, an unexpected, uh, an unexpected figure swoops in, and uh, Terezi, uh, appears. Oh my God! The crowd goes wild. Woo! Yeah. This this is gonna this is gonna be crazy. All right, we'll get back to this. We'll get back to this. Okay. Um. Yeah. Anything? Was there anything in here? Uh. Worth picking up. Um, no. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much in here that's like that. Interesting. Um, but John notes that like he's not really that torn up about losing the Ring of Life. Uh, not really sure what that was gonna do anyway at this point, uh, or what it was for. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure he's correct. I'm sure that it, 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 it will mean nothing. Okay, um, chapter 25, uh, the Rose and Dirk chapter, um, lots going, lots, lots going on here. Okay, so, we, we continue the scene at Dirk's, uh, studio, um, as Rose and Dirk have their conversation that is unclear how much of it is actually occurring between two distinct characters. Um, Rose, uh, it, it begins with Rose questioning the nature of, of humanity, um, and the idea of getting to know each other, uh, and how 
uh, traditionally, like, we think of, like, getting to know each other, getting to know other people is, like, this virtuous thing that it's, like, what defines what it means to be human. And, like, and that process of getting to know one another is, like, our, our, our boundaries uh, between one another uh, yeah. slipping. Um, let's see. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Dirk, uh, continues to fend off slash ignore Kanaya's calls, um, as he focuses his attention back on Rose. Um, Dirk gets at what his ultimate goal seems to be, which is, uh, some Evangelion shit. An instrumentality, basically. Um, yeah. It seems. Uh, he 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 links back the ultimate self, um, like you said, in, as in, to this concept of like dissolving boundaries between uh, d- d- uh between versions of yourself. He describes it as um the ultimate selfhood is like the the partitions in your mind that keep your different versions of yourselves dissolve from one another dissolving. Um, and he says like uh why why not why why does this not apply to like uh, all people. Um, he says, like, I'm... He explains, like, that he's stabilizing her through what I assume is... He's referring to, like, the, the, the process of giving... Of, like, giving her a voice through his narration. Yeah. Um, and, uh, with a, one last bit of encouragement, uh, Rose gives in and gives herself over to Dirk's control, basically. Um, or... To see the world, to see the story as he wants her to see it, um, she sees John uh, at his current place, and uh, Dirk encourages the question, like, where would he be if not right now? And she sees in her mind's eye the entirety of the candy epilogue, um, which uh, we we I I don't get to see, but um, Rose Rose's thoughts on it say uh. And I suppose there are negatives and positives. I can't say if that option would be any better or worse than what we're experiencing now. Um, Damn, that's crazy. Yep. Yeah, and, and, and if if we were doing, like, the most ideal reading of the epilogues, uh, at this point we would flip the book over and start reading Candy, but I would rather us just read through Meat all the way. Very fair. Um... Yeah, uh, Rose, she sees into the other version of the epilogues, is the important part, and, uh, she makes this comment on, like, how does she put it, uh, the, our extra canon reality, our surroundings, our actions, our consequences, they've lost the ability to blend the ingredients responsibly. Uh, as if the moment we entered the victory state, everything began to slowly congeal. And when John made this decision, it accelerated the process. The congealing intensified, causing a sort of grotesque conceptual clumping. Concentrating the constituent properties of consumption in unbearable doses. Like when you get to the bottom of a sweet drink and all that's left is syrup. Uh, reading this in like a literal, like the literal interpretation of it, it's like, comes across to me as just being commentary on like, yeah, Homestuck ended... And now all this time has passed and we're resolving all of these issues that built up over time, like, at once in this one book. Yeah. Something along those lines. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dirk, uh, 
I don't know how to describe the way that, like, Dirk talks about uh, Rose at this point. Like, he's very, um, it comes across as, like, he clearly has a lot of, like, reverence and respect for, and, like, happiness to see her, like, where she is, but, like, it's filtered through this really, real egotistic lens, and also it comes off cross as, like, really predatory and weird. Um, like, uh, he talks about seeing her, like, as his daughter, as, like, uh, being worthy to be of the same stock as him. Yeah. Uh, and, like, seems to regard her as, like, another, like, he says, like, equal, but I, he's the one, in, he's, like, he's the one in control here, and, like, he's the one who's, like, uh, guiding her through this process in, like, the way that he sees fit. Where's the line in here? Um, uh, where, like, it, it calls attention somewhere in here, like, the way that he is, uh, controlling it all. I wish I just, why did I not write down the fucking page number for this quote? Um... He describes the story, uh, like, the story in its whole as a domain uh, given structure by my words and conviction. Um, like, he's talking about bringing Rose up to be his equal, but in in the framework of, uh, the in, in within a framework where, like, he has absolute control over everything. Yeah. Um, it's a... Uh, it's a dynamic, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't know what to say about it. Yeah, I don't uh, either. <laughs> it's a lot, though. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there, there's a lot that can be said about this chapter, but I don't have like the expertise to say it. <laughs> uh. Because there's so much that goes on. They start, like, name-dropping stuff. Is that this chapter? Oh, yeah, when they start, like, doing, like, the 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 philosophy back and forth, like, dropping concept stuff. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely skipped over that. Um, also called attention to how, like, all of the expertise that they debate on is, like, self-defined expertise and in Dirk's case it's like reading some old Wikipedia articles uh on a dead earth. Yeah. Um Yeah, they, they, there's that little back and forth where like they fire off like well known philosophical quotes uh and Dirk eventually is like, Do you really think we have free will? Um while he's controlling the the whole conversation through the narration yeah um yeah I, I i wish i could say more about this chapter because it's interesting like there's there's a lot of interesting things happening in this chapter but i i don't know uh yeah the, the, like it, 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 it I, I feel like we still just don't really have like a really clear idea of like what is actually like, what D Dirk is actually dealing here, because, uh, and that makes it just hard to, it's still hard to say, because it, it's definitely, like, definitely whatever he's doing, I'm not on board with it, it's, it's, 
Dirk's motivations have been highly questionable up to this point, uh, when they are even remotely transparent, which they are generally not. Um, and the, the whole, like, it, it being like him talking about bringing Rose up to be his equal, while it continues to more and more emphasize Dirk's control over the story, is def- just, uh, uh, it's, it's a hell of a recipe. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, and I kind of wonder if it's, I kind of wonder if, like, uh, it's, nah, it, I'll, I'll get to that in a, in a couple more chapters. Um, the, the, when, when Dirk starts to clash with Calliope for narration, I think it gets into a really interesting, like, question of, uh, how rational Dirk really is. Yeah. Um, okay, speaking of Dirk losing control, um, the next chapter, uh, 26, um, Jade falling into the black hole. Uh, another short one, um, like, just two and a half pages, uh, Jade feels herself compelled, uh, towards the black hole, um, and though Jade doesn't really directly say much, um, anything in this chapter, uh, we get to see, uh, Dirk through the narration desperately trying to influence her out of falling into the black hole, um, and... Uh, as he desperately insists that she does not want to go any closer, she does not want to see what happens um, if she uh, unsettles the spirit residing there. Um, the spirit residing there chimes in, and uh, it, it takes uh, guides Jade inward. Um, yeah. Dirk makes one last futile push uh, to try to uh, assuage uh, Jade out of doing what she's about to do, um, but she does, she jumps, she dives into the black hole, um, and, uh, alt calliope, uh, it takes over. Damn, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is, a. is there anything specific to say about this one? Um, besides, like, Dirk, this is, like, the part where Dirk kind of realizes he's fucked, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I I do think it's interesting that like the the his like last ditch effort is shifting the unis of the uh-huh. of the story. Uh, it it seems to imply that that's like the most powerful thing that can happen is shifting the unis. Uh, that's like yeah, that's like that's his that's his ultimate move. Yeah, because he says, "All right, I'm done messing around." <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that you brought attention to this because, like, reading this paragraph again, um, uh, uh, Dirk specifically says, uh, you wouldn't want to disappoint me, would you, Jade? Um, and that, it, like, the, the, you wouldn't want to disappoint me, like, one, um, kind of a classic red flag uh but like we haven't gotten plenty of those out of jerk already um but uh i i feel like this is a the like not wanting to disappoint dirk has been a theme um and specifically uh it's it it, it calls back to uh jake um because there's a part in here that we'll get to uh as well but i think it was talked about before but like it's Jake's Dirk's main influence over Jake is like 
he doesn't want to disappoint him. Um, th this seems to be like Dirk's uh, go-to guilt trip of choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. There she goes. There she goes. Bye, bye, Jade. Bye, bye. All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, Jade wakes up. Uh, chapter twenty-seven. Um, we we are we are now uh under we are under new direction. It seems. Um. Oh, uh, Jade uh wakes back up on Earth C. Um. Cali Alt Calliope uh is uh in control of her body. Um nobody really understands what is going on except for the uh, Earth C Calliope. Um and uh the the main thing that goes on in this chapter is that, is that we see Calliope's style narration. Um and we see Dirk begin to throw a little tantrum uh as he realizes he is no longer in control of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So Calliope's style of narration um, is... How would you describe it? Uh, um, It's very... Hmm. It's very direct. Yeah, it, it's really direct. Uh, when... When when Dirk went, like, mask off and started doing the narration in, in his voice, uh... It it was very much <laughs> dark telling the story, but uh, dead Calliope. Even even when when she appeared in Homestuck proper, uh, she seemed really detached, just in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that that's what comes across in her narration to me because like. I don't know. Like, there's, like, later stuff where she she seems to, like, let the characters, like, think for themselves. And, like, feel for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that kind of seems to be, like, the the detachment of it, is that, um... Whereas Dirk is, like, very... Like, once Dirk starts talking in his own text color, like, everything is kind of very obviously filtered through Dirk. Um... More so than it was before he was, uh, before he was honest with us. Um, whereas, uh, Dead Calliope's narration is, like, uh, de like, detached, but she goes out of her way to, like, uh, note how the characters are feeling. Um. Yeah. It it's, like, a, it's, like, brutally honest, I would describe it as. It's blunt. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and and Dirk begins to yeah. D Dirk slips. Um It's really hard to read this text because not only is it really light on light, but it gets really small. Um But yeah. Uh Calliope kind of like I don't know if she's capable of taunting. Um, but it does the closest thing possible as she kind of rubs salt in the wound of like yeah, Dirk, you can't do shit. You're you have to observe from over there. Um, sucks to suck, huh? 
you're really insecure about this. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. All right. Next chapter. Um. Tw uh. Twentieth. Okay. That's. Oh yeah. Calliope taking over, by the way, is the end of Epilogue 4. Uh, so yeah. now we are in Epilogue 5. Um, uh, okay. Uh, w w one last thing about uh, the this chapter. Uh, sure. I do think it's worth noting that, that Calli all Calliope says that Dirk being in control of the narrative is a threat to continued existence of both this world and corporeal life itself. Yeah, um... Which I do, I do, I do think does a does a better job of like setting the stakes than just Dirk alluding to things. Yeah, uh, I like, um, I still have like a hard time like taking like Calliope at at face value. Yeah, um, I think that's the point. I think that that well, one of the points mm -hmm. is like, uh, who who are you supposed to believe? Which narrator is the is telling the truth? I probably trust her more than like Dirk, but she's still like a pretty mysterious and detached character. We don't have much reason to trust. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Epilogue five. Uh, lots go well. Lots going on. Okay. So. Uh, we begin, uh, rejoining on John and Terezi hanging out at the end of the world. Um, they make some small talk, and, uh, we really get to, uh, we get, really get a feel for Calliope's style of narration here. Um, Calliope gives John a lot of room, uh, and draws a lot of attention to his, uh, his more private thoughts, um, as, uh, John realizes that, uh, he is in quack, in, in fact, uh, very attracted to Terezi. Yeah. Um. Also, also, we've, we've now completely dropped the, the second person narration with John. Yeah, uh, that is, yes, uh, Calliope does not seem to do the second person narration thing. Um, and we are instead just observing uh this conversation happen um uh let's see uh terezi uh john asks what terezi is doing out here um and she confesses that she was out here looking for briska um she uh she she, re uh, she realizes uh how much time has passed uh like separating the two of them and how much older he is um, and she gets kind of, she gets sad about it. Um, where is it? Or am I thinking, or where, let me get my notes. Back. Oh, no, it's, it's here on page 159. Um, she says, uh, you've changed so much and all I've done is waste my entire lifespan walking in circles. Um, and that's, I think that's interesting because it's kind of a mirror to like where John is at. Like they've both kind of, they've both met each other at this point. Uh, feeling like they're they've wasted a lot of time, um, but they both have a lot of admiration for one another. Yeah. Um, 
Therese, because she sees that John has changed while she hasn't. Um, and, uh, well, we, we, John, it, we, we haven't gotten into, um, words. It's the next chapter where we get into how much, like, John admired her. It talks about how much she buys her. Um, but yeah, there's like a parallel going on with how they feel about one another. Uh, yeah. it's pretty, it's pretty there. Um, and, uh, when John, uh, proposes, like, why don't we, like, head out of here, uh, why don't we go home, um, she pleads with him, uh, can we please just stay here a little bit longer? Uh, and against his better, against his sense of self-preservation, he's like, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, um, this, a lot of this chapter happens in the narration. Yeah. Um, most of it, uh, it, most of it is, like, John, like, uh, riding along with, like, John, uh, John's feelings about, like, being attracted to Terezi, or, like, see, like, seeing her as someone he's attracted to. Um, yeah, uh, what, what do we think about this? What do you think about it? I'm asking you. Uh, it's nice to have Terezi back. I, I love some sure Terezi. Um. Uh, the, hmm. Also, it's nice to just see John have something at this point, because it's it's been kind of Doomer mode with John for, like, most, most of the epilogue so far. Uh, yeah. John's had a rough time. It's 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 nice to see that the the thing that John is fe- like dealing with right now is being attracted to Terezi. Yeah, I also think that like it's it's kind of funny um to think about how like John has uh John has kind of uh been through it a little bit like the story like we had him set up with an interest with in Vriska for a while in Homestuck. Yeah. Um, and that was like a, th- a big important thing. Um, but it, it really, uh, in the end, looking back on it, it feels like it existed kind of for mostly for Vriska's, uh, expansion upon as a character. Yeah. Um, like a, a POV description of like a character realizing like oh Tracy's got like a really cute nose um or like that's like all right that's like kind of out of place in general but like I I appreciate it um I, the the I, I appreciate the newness of it in coming through like John getting like a little bit of agency um to to like explore this yeah because uh previously like. Um, the like John John kind of had like a thing with Rox like with Roxy and then with and with Briska before, but uh the the Roxy thing was really like short lived, um and not there's 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 there's, there's never like time for something like this in in Homestuck I guess what I'm getting at yeah and yeah it it, it humanizes it it adds another level of humanity to the characters for sure I think um. I don't know. It's it's cute. Okay. Um regardless. Uh I I don't know uh 
I don't got I think I got much more to say on this. Um so uh I will move us along, uh without any objections. Uh okay. So chapter twenty nine. Um we we get a rare Jane chapter. Um and we learn that she has been abusing trickster mode on the campaign trail. And we get some interesting uh POV commentary on the trickster juju from our new narrator as well. Uh, so yeah, um, Jane's been hitting the trickster lollipop, uh, making, well, doing speeches. Um, there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, like, Calliope doing the narrator overstep thing with talking to Jane, or, like, Jane hearing her. Um, and, uh, Calliope directly influences Jane, uh, to treat the, the lollipop juju with, uh, utter reverence, uh, and care. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, so Jane, uh, sits down in her office, uh, and immediately, uh, receives a call from Dirk. Um, and, uh, yeah, Dirk, neither of these characters are doing great at this point. Um, so Jane's pretty ragged out. Um, Jane, so, uh, and Dirk is, like, directly arguing with Calliope as this conversation is going on. Like, she's making jabs at him, uh, in the narration, and then him in his phone conversation with Jane is responding to her. Uh, she's got under his skin. He's, he's not happy. Um, let's see. Uh, so Dirk, uh, wants to let her know, um, so things, uh, things have, plans have changed on the whole Jake front. Uh, but rest assured, uh, he's got plans. He's got this all under control. Um, Jane, uh, has the idea to, how about instead of trying to secure Jake's nomination, we try to discredit him, um, say by telling everybody that he has sex with trolls, uh, Insane. Dirk res- <laughs> <laughs> Dirk's response here, um, is like, he calls her out for being xenophobic, which is like, you know, uh, true. Like, but then he's like, uh, what does he say? Um, you either got to roll with the woke shit or decide to commit laborious, symbolic, melodramatic suicide in the process of utterly giving up. Um, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> Dirk, what did you mean by that? <laughs> Dirk, what, what, what did you mean by this? Um, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> Dirk, Dirk's, Dirk's got some weird takes. Um... But yeah, uh, Dirk, uh, Dirk has a plan, um, advises her, advises Jane, uh, stop hitting the, uh, was it, uh, quit the trickster pop, it's rotting your brain, um, and we learn, uh, through the power of, uh, third person narration that, uh, Dirk is preparing a, a sniper rifle, uh, as part of his plan to deal with his situation. Um, your ass is mine, Jake English. Uh, he, embar- he, uh, shamefully says to himself as Calliope encourages him to be more forward with his plans. Uh, yeah. So, that's, that's what's going on. Dirk's, Dirk's got a plan that involves a sniper rifle and Jake. Uh, Jane has been hitting the trickster pop, um, and is coming up with, a increasingly racist ways to smear her political opponents, I suppose. Cool. Very fun. 
now now's the time for our discussion. Is the lollipop making her racist? <laughs> um, I it, it, very that would be that very interesting theory on uh very interesting Homestuck fan theory. <laughs> <laughs> that that feels like um. Ugh. That is that would be like a that is like a hilariously blunt way to interpret the story is that the 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 lollipop is the source of all racism, <laughs> or like, uh, like, uh, the the antagonist be like Lord English is an antagonist being like associated with classism and racism is because he's associated with the magical racism lollipop because <laughs> the species. God, that would rock. That, 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 that's my new read on Homestuck. Uh, yeah. Um, not a ton. Not a ton to offer on this one. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I feel like I expected more of Jane's POV up to this point. Uh, but I, I suppose that it's just not that important. I feel like the main thing this chapter has done is like made me think about how little of jane chapters we've had uh for her being like at the center of the b plot of this whole thing yeah who knows we might get more jane at some point i uh, d- who knows I- i'm choosing to read it just as like you know it- it's really just dark who is more and con- dirk is more in control of the whole situation than jane is yeah uh i don't think i don't think that's too much of a stretch okay all right um Chapter 30, uh, Jake chapter, Jake and Dave and Carcat. Um, so, uh, Carcat and Dave are on a nice, uh, a nice hike, uh, out with Jake, uh, after a day of campaigning. Um, and they're here, uh, to proposition Jake on endorsing them in the upcoming election. Um, Dave and Carcat kind of spend a lot of this chapter just, like, bickering with each other. Um, uh, while Jake just kind of, like, observes, um, as, as, as an innocent bystander, as, as Jake has kind of existed to do, uh, in, in the entire story so far. Um, up until, uh... Jake, uh, Jake has, like, a bit of a moment of realization, and he demands that Dave and Carcat actually, you know, make a pitch to him as to why, uh, they should endorse, uh, why he should endorse them. Um, but the, 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 the real thing here is, like, Jake, emphasis on Jake's newfound autonomy, um, as Calliope calls attention to it. Uh, he, Jake is, like, uh, very, Jake is overwhelmed with the new freedom of not being narratively constrained by Dirk. Uh, which I bring, calling back to, like, Dirk's control thing. Yeah. Um, when this is brought up, like, we get a little bit of tiny little Dirk text, uh, where he compares Jake to an insect, uh, like, a dying insect being influenced in its last moments. Um, like like you said earlier like uh, really undercutting uh, any sense that Dirk sees the other people he cohabits this story with as more than characters yeah this 
this little paragraph is Dirk pulling a like top ten reasons why I should be in control of the narrative right now. <laughs> it yeah, and it's it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> it, it pretty pretty gross considering like uh. I mean, we know that, like, Dirk and Jake have a, a troubled relationship at best. Yeah. Um, but, uh, does not persuade me that Dirk has improved on that front in the time since Homestuck won. Versus the initial Homestuck. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, J- Jake, uh, embracing his free will, wants to be sold on endorsing this campaign. Um, and Karkat does it. Uh, he, Karkat, uh, delivers an impassioned speech about, you know, uh, this plan's been around for a long time, but everyone's kind of been waiting for one of the founders to step up and take up a leadership position. Everything up to this point has been more or less filler, and we want to make sure that we do it right and we get off on a, the correct foot and not, uh, Jane's at best incompetence with handling the subjects, like, the subject, the, uh, topics that matter. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Jake is, Jake is on board. Um, he's like, all right, sounds great to me. Uh, I'll do it. Woo, we got him. Woo. Yeah. Um, this is what I was talking about before. Uh, the, the last page of this chapter. Um, where is it? Uh, Dirk, as he knows him, hasn't been given him hasn't been given much thought by Jake recently. Jake has been savoring the fruits of a mental liberation he is barely aware of, let alone capable of comprehending. When he considers crossing Dirk, he's not afraid of making him angry or hurting his feelings. He simply always wanted to avoid disappointing him. And yet, with the cognitive cloud of Dirk's influence dispelled, Jake now cannot shake the feeling that the best course of action would be the one that asserts the most independence from Dirk. Disappointment be damned. Yeah, like again, coming back to um the the ultimate. Uh, tool in Dirk's uh, male manipulation kit being uh, disappointed in people. Um, I just think that's an in- I just think that's interesting. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Uh, I like how ready Dave was to explain super packs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I. Th- a theme uh with with Dave in this reading um uh is like Dave is like a a less like Chapo listener and more like uh overcorrecting DSA guy today yeah um the <laughs> he's he's really in on a, like super packs and how corporate welfare destroys public infrastructure um uh it just really gels really well with um his the previous chapter where he was uh like completely overstepping cultural boundaries and being really weird about trolls with uh Karkat and Kanaya. <laughs> it's very funny. Um yeah. Okay. Uh anything more on 30 before we talk about the big one? Uh is the next one the big one? The next one is oh, I guess the it's a big one. John Trezzy one. Yeah, it's a big one. There's a couple big ones in the end here. Um, hmm. I'd say that the both of the last two are big ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything else on this one. Okay. 
All right. Well, uh, chapter 31, um, our final chapter for the day, uh, following the John and Terezi, uh, storyline. Um, John and Terezi are, uh, they're still in the car, have not gone back to Earthsea yet. Um, no sign of Riska, uh, nothing going on. John is just kind of sitting there dying, uh, not sure how to accommodate the situation. Um... Terezi is eating everything in Dad's wallet, uh, from the Barbasol <laughs> to the, uh, chewing tobacco. <laughs> Re- um, referring to tobacco as delicious dry candy shavings is insane. <laughs> you know, uh, probably not even chewing tobacco. She's probably just eating pipe tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, setting the stage here. Um... John, uh, tries to open up to Terezi, um, about how lonely he feels, uh, and how the situation he's been put in has left him reflecting a bit on his relationships with people. Um, and he's like, I want to open up, I want to have a real conversation with somebody. And she initially laughs at him, but she appreciates how, uh, she appreciates his earnesty, um... Uh, and he continues to uh, to confess how he looks up to her and like how it made him feel, how it makes him feel like thinking years later about the uh, her courage at the end of the game over timeline, um, and how she's really to thank for them all even being there at that point. Um, and she says, "Yeah, I uh, I remember that. I remember that happening. Um, I." absorbed the memories of that Doom Terezi a long time ago. Um, which is, uh, yeah. The, that's that's going on, but also, like, Terezi is probably the, one of the more tragic characters to imagine this happening to. Yeah. Um, Terezi has been through a lot, collectively. Um, she says, uh, that that, the, that Terezi that she that that doom Terezi was like so uh she, she missed Vriska so much um and that uh influence was really what like has motivated her um out here um so yeah uh they get into a conversation about like relationships and people losing them um and uh Tracy ends up asking what happened with uh with Roxy and John's like I don't know just kind of didn't work out um Terezi uh says eh, I had a hunch it wouldn't work out anyway um and John sees this as his in to ask her to come back to Earthsea with him um more weight, a little bit more weightily than uh, when he randomly proposed to Mina if she would come back with him. Um, Terezi says she's not sure uh, when she would be ready. Um, and uh, this kind of brings us to the issue at hand. So, Terezi, uh, how do how do how do I frame how do I even frame this? Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Terezi again pleads, uh, just to stay a little bit longer, um, terrified of moving on. Uh, we were brought to the issue at hand, which is that, you know, that John is still dying. 
Um, and Terezi offers to to take a look at the wound. Um, we get a little, we get a couple of interjections from Dirk uh, at this point in the narration on the uh, on the inaccuracies of uh, dis- how Calliope is describing Terezi's sword. He's just uh, so funny. Sword. Yeah. Um, this the the presence of this when like this is the only Dirk interjection throughout the entire chapter, um, the only thing it makes me it, it makes me wonder is like how if is if Calliope is like sensationalizing this this chapter a little bit, maybe, because um, what happens next is that, uh, I guess, uh, in the in the heat of the in the this very intimate moment um where Terezi is about to perform amateur surgery on John uh kind of bleeds into a sex scene um yeah what yeah uh I don't know how much there's to say about it um I don't know how much I want to say about it world's uh, first homestuck sex scene not even well I guess <laughs> kind of because we had the the there was there was the Jake and Jane one earlier, but that never really went anywhere. Yeah. But yeah, um, the the amateur surgery uh, turns into uh, a very hazily recollected. Uh, I guess we're making good on the rough sex uh, disclaimer at the start. Uh, Therese's in on the whole blood thing to some degree. It's not really gone into that much specifically, um, but uh, they have they have a moment. Yeah, they they do. Yeah, um, happy for them, I guess. It's applause all around. Woo. Yeah. Um. Uh. What do you think of this chapter? Uh. Yeah. Uh, is, it's oh, a, come on. It's yeah. A, <laughs> it's a chapter I enjoy, but. On the basis of, like, what I was saying about the last bit with John and Terezi, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's nice to see John get a moment that isn't, like, moving the plot forward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that, um, ev- everybody knows that's all John exists to do in Homestuck. Uh, John exists to come in uh, and have what's been happening in the plot explained to him. <laughs> yeah. Um... But uh, he he gets some action for once, so I guess good for him. And good for Terezi too. I yeah. think she deserves some action as well. Yeah, good for both of them. But at the same time, I don't know. It, I feel bad for both of them. It, it's uh, it, it, it could probably be occurring under better circumstances. It's um, it's like, damn, we've been searching for Vriska for like a week now. <laughs> Seems like Vriska's dead, and then they have sex. <laughs> Uh, we've gotten we've gotten Vriska out of the way. <laughs> yeah, um, I'll, I'll say I'll, I also uh, I I like this chapter as well. Um, I I I agree. I think it's good to give like some room for this to happen. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, I I don't like. The reason that I don't want to like talk about this, I, I I don't dislike it. Like I I just don't know what to say about it on our on our podcast. It happens. Um, yeah, 
it, it would come off as really weird if we sat here and were like, wow, I really enjoyed the John and Terezi sex scene. <laughs> and that's all there is to say on the matter. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do... I think that the, um, I, I just kind of question, like, I think that that, like, little Dirk interjection, like, I wonder if, like, it's supposed to call attention, like, Calliope's potential to sensationalize what's going on as well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it gets, a, it gets a little, like, uh, vibrant in, like, the descriptions of, like, his rotting flesh and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, I, it's, a it's an appropriate amount of detail. I don't know. Whatever. Um. So yeah, uh, good for them. Damn it! They did it in Dad's car too. Ugh. Oh man. <laughs> That's gonna be some emotional baggage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Um. Moving on. Uh, I don't know. Is there much to say? I don't know what there is to say. Like, I... Good for them. Good for them. Okay. It's the title of today's episode. Good for them. I think that is... I, I think that is about what there is. Okay. Alright. And... Alright. Last chapter for this reading. Uh, 32. Uh, last chapter of Epilogue 5. Um, Roxy. Uh, trying to get in contact with anybody. Um... Rose, Kanaya, uh, not picking up. Jade, uh, is still in possessed mode. Um, Roxy's having a tough time. Um, they call Jake, or Jake Dave. Oh my god. Whoa. Words, names, English, not English, Strider. <laughs> okay. Roxy calls Dave. Um,. Uh, and it's just generally not feeling, uh, at ease. Um, Dirk is, uh, Dirk also kind of, Dirk throws in a lot of shit, uh, in this chapter. Um, where to even begin? Okay, so, so Roxy calls Dave. Uh, Dave is at a political rally uh, where Jake's about to give his endorsement of the campaign. Um... Uh, Dirk feels the need to interject and uh, be condescending about Calliope's description of the diverse crowd, um, which I guess is continuing for uh, Dirk going mask off in more ways than one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. So, um... Rox just wants to know if Dave knows anything about what's going on. Dave does not. Um, Roxy describes to Dave uh, Jade's situation, which Dave was not previously aware of. Um, uh, Roxy does not... Roxy continues to not feel great about the whole political situation. Um, Dave is pretty... Uh, Dave is still pretty entrenched in, like, you know, Jane Bad... We, Dave has been investing this whole thing for the whole time. Uh, Roxy's still not very into it. Um, but uh, hearing Dave talk about Carcat's campaign and like his belief in him uh, in, inspires Roxy to, uh, to turn the conversation elsewhere. Um, and uh, it make, makes, them, makes them feel nice. 
so Roxy uh, asked Dave, um, how did you come out? Um, as in not being straight. And, uh, yeah, we get another, uh, interesting little, uh, ids and preffies conversation, as Roxy puts it. Whoa! Um, yeah, so, let's see, where is it? Um, so, uh, Dave goes on this long, uh, he, he recounts his personal experience, um, with his own, like, grappling with his own sexuality, uh, in the form of an extended, uh, irony-laced metaphor. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. How to, how to, how to, how to summarize this? Um, he talks about, like, coping with it, like, his, his attraction, coping with his attraction to men, uh, by making jokes about it, and, like, leaning increasingly hard into jokes about it, and pulling out of jokes about it and like tackling it with all different degrees of irony. Um, and then, uh, at the end, uh, when Roxy asks him like, so what's the last stage? Uh, Dave contemplates, uh, his current situation with Carcat and the weird limbo he exists in, um, of no homo with the love of his life. Uh, and, uh, he, he reflects on it fondly, um, as Roxy, uh, is, Roxy is described as having more questions than answers at the end of this conversation. Um, they think about, like, in terms of, um, like, their choice to cut their hair short and wondering what that, what that really signifies ultimately and, uh, what it represents in the grand scheme of their life and their, in like, their personal understanding of their own gender uh over time yeah um it, it, uh the a thing that uh roxy part of roxy's question i think that's important is um uh asking like do you think it's too late to change your mind um like is where is it let me just find it. okay uh do you ever think it's too late to change i don't know change your mind about the person you want to be like is there some point like, is there at some point of no return you can cross where everyone is waiting for you to have a big-ass revelation about your internal character? But it's like, dude, no, you already used up all your gay capital and you started date friend cohabiting, cohabitating with a cute-as-hell skeleton alien. And anything after that, you're just getting greedy and it is greedy even the right word. Greedy for dropping bombshell. Um, the question of, like, is it ever too late to change your mind? Uh, is like the seems like the important part here. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, I think I, feel, I think themes are happening. I'm not sure. I th um, I I think I think the grander theme is: Are people allowed to change? I think that's the best yeah. way of putting it. Because Dirk's answer would be no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, throughout this whole conversation, um, well, not like Dirk continues to interject. Uh, throughout this whole thing, um. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I had to I had to stop reading <laughs> for for like five minutes when when Dirk described the Dave Cat situation as endless floundering in cell limbo. I I had to like put the put I had to put the book down. <laughs> yeah, you tweeted about Dirk saying in cell. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
there's that. There's also, like, Dirk being really condescending and shitty to Roxy and Calliope. Um, where, like, uh, where is it? Um, Calliope says in narration, the way that Dave talks about Carcat reminds Roxy of the way Calliope looks when they call them beautiful. Uh, and Dirk's response to this in narration is, like, to, is, a. Uh, Oh, she really does think Calliope is beautiful? Like, she was just saying that to be nice? Fascinating. One, uh, deliberately continuing to misgender, um, Roxy. Uh, but also, like, the, 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 the pure random cruelty of being, like, wow, you're not just being nice? Interesting. Um, really evocative of, like, the worst people on the computer. Yeah. Uh, in, in, like, his need to be right and, like, bring everyone down to his cynical view of things. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, as as Dave is talking about, like, his stuff, um, yeah, Dirk calls him a pussy, uh, says, like, as Calliope describes, like, Dirk's growth, uh, Dirk responds, like, he needs me, uh, I can, I, like, he needs me to be in control. Um, he's suffering without my guidance. Um, like, g- given what we know of, like, Dirk and Jake's relationship, um, yeah, Dirk has a very, Dirk seems to have a very specific vision for the way that he would like things to play out, uh, and is really upset that, like, Dave gets to be sappy here, um, and take things at his own pace, even if that takes for a long time. Um... He objects to more, uh, as, as Calliope, uh, in narration, muses on, uh, gender signifiers and the practicality of gender, um, Dirk continues to throw a shit fit, um, does not want to consider any of this stuff, does not want gender in his homestuck, um, and, uh, escalates the situation, uh, to, in a set to, uh, being like, all right, I'm here, I got my gun, and, uh, I'm about to take back this story. Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, the, 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 the tussle between Dirk and Calliope, uh, really comes into effect, um, as Dave and Roxy wrap up their conversation. Um, Dave, again, uh, just knocks it out of the park, uh, and is like, alright, great conversation, Roxy, do you want me to start calling you dad now? Um, and, uh, <laughs> we are, uh, tragically, um, torn out of this, uh, wonderful conversation full of tact, uh, as Dirk makes his true, per- uh, intentions known, uh, pivots around uh away from shooting jake and instead uh hits jade possessed by calliope with the tranquilizer gun uh which knocks her out and allows him to commandeer the story once again and uh he asks us if we're hungry for meat and that is where we leave off damn that's crazy (laughs) i i do think this this chapter is really fun uh, regardless of Dirk being shitty. <laughs> a lot going on. There is a lot going uh, for on. For sure. Um. I, 
I don't know what to make of it, but I I do think that like the the narrative tug of war being centered around two characters talking about their identities is really mm-hmm. interesting. I I don't know if they're like trying to make a point with that framing or not, but I I, I do think it makes everything about this chapter really interesting. I could see it. I could see it. Because, like, it, it it seems at least you can make the connection, like, uh, like, Dirk seems to be, like, Dirk is, like, obviously really rattled this at this point. Um, yeah. And, like, it seems like being, like, we know about Dirk that, like, being in control of things is, like, an, like an impulsive thing for him. Or, like, a, it's, like, basically part of his identity. Um, and, yeah, that's a... It's it's a interesting two interesting things to juxtapose with like the the idea of like people being able to change and like somebody's identity um in a general sense yeah uh, which is like a I think a core theme of the this the book so far uh I think you can you can connect that back like to like um John talking about like how his life on RC has just kind of been stagnant and he's been uh socially like uh isolated um i feel like you could connect uh that uh back to this question of like identity as well yeah um and in terms of like is it too late for things to change because uh we just had a chapter of like john make like taking a big step uh out of his comfort zone and like him and terezi have sex and it's like that's a big step out of like you know, it, obviously he's been talking about, like, uh, doesn't feel so connected to anybody, um, and that's a pretty radical change. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that you could see that as, like, an answer to, like, this question that Roxy has of, like, is it too late for things to change for people? Um, if you want to extrapolate that, if you want to extrapolate their question of gender out, uh, in a, to a more general sense. Yeah. Um, and I also just find, like, Dirk's, uh, like, anger about any of these issues interesting as well. Um, like, he's very specifically, like, does not want any of this in his homestuck. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether to read that. I Well, I guess it could be read both as, um, like, a, a personal reflection of, like, Dirk gets really touchy about these subjects, uh, but also meta meta commentary yeah um uh this to me this really does feel like a point where we really do need to start like thinking about dirk more as a character uh mm-hmm. because a lot of people uh who who are epilogue dislikers and are dirk likers uh they point at this chapter and they say this this is ruining dirk this is not the Dirk that I know and like. Uh, and I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like there's a reason why Dirk is acting like this. Um, because we, as we know, Dirk, Dirk has ascended. Uh, and as we know uh, about the ultimate self, 
it's it's the the barriers between your different selves dissolving you becoming a, a one being mm-hmm. um and I think I do think it's worth revisiting Dirk's splinters uh and and what could possibly be dwelling in an ultimate self Dirk uh, because we have to remember, uh-huh. Bro Strider exists. <laughs> yeah, Bro Strider is definitely a character that is Dirk. Would probably fall under the category of this is playing some role in an ultimate self Dirk. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was gonna bring up like, I would have to read that conversation again. Uh, at the end of Homestuck between Dave and Dirk, that's like kind of the 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 cap to uh, Dave's struggle with his own identity in in Homestuck. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I can under I can definitely sympathize with people who are like, "This is ruining Dirk," because uh, compared with that, like. It does not. It, it it Dirk at the end of Homestuck felt like a much more capable of compassion, um, and uh, relating to and understanding like Dave's problems as yeah. as a person, um, and it, yeah, the 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 Dirk that we are getting now that is like no, I Dave would be happier if I was in control when like the the, the irony I think with that line is that it's calling it's like. Calliope is like saying through all the different points in time when Dave thought he had his identity figured out, uh, and Dirk is like, no, but if I was if I was there, he would be fine now. And it's like, if you were in his life for all of that time, like you've been in Dave's life since he was like fifteen or sixteen, however old he was when uh you met at the end of Homestuck, like, and he hasn't he's not like at a point where he's stable and figured himself out yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, yeah. And, and also like, as to that, like I, the Arqueous being part of mm-hmm. English, I don't know how, that's... how divorced we are from that, but that's also a very real, like that could probably be qualified as a splinter of dirt. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say, because like, if, if we classify autoresponder as part of Dirk. Uh, what does that say about Arqueus? What does that say about Lord English? What does that say about Doc Scratch? It, it there's a lot going on that could be, you know, changing what Dirk is defined as 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 like an ultimate self version of Dirk. Yeah. Um. The the we. Mm. The concept of the ultimate self is really coming a lot more into focus in general, I think, because, like, we got, like, teased that, like, Jade is experiencing this phenomenon, like, that Terezi, even, yeah. is, like, experiencing the the memories of, like, her Doom timeline self. Like, um, it, it, it seems like nobody is really off limits to who can uh, go through this process in this post-canon environment. And that opens up a lot of things to consider i guess yeah um yeah uh mina also showed up to steal the ring of life what's going on with that hmm. i don't know interesting we'll see i guess 
Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it. I'm reading the epilogues is funny. Um, for many reasons. I I think one thing that like is funny to me is that uh, a lot of like what I had heard about the epilogues beforehand is like people like being like the discourse around them. You know, like yeah. Very little discussion about what they're actually about, like, what happens in them. Yeah. Besides what people want to cherry-pick to, like, throw around. Uh, the the whole, like, you know, Lord English being a, a villain, and, like, there, there still being things happening on a grand scale. Um, I, di- I don't, like, expect these... I didn't, like, expect any of this. I thought this was going to be a, a book about drama that pissed everybody off. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> and it's, it's that, and it has Lord English in it. I, I, I'm going to be honest, uh, from my experience, and if there are any epilogue dislikers listening, I, I, I mean no offense, uh, but from my experience, people who don't like the epilogues do not give a shit what happens in the epilogues. <laughs> like, they, it, it, the way they talk about it, it it's, it's just like talking points. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I. It's like the way people tackle every uh, mildly politically or socially charged issue on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> There's no discussion about what about the book. It's just you know, the book has this in it. Therefore, value judgment. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. And I have to say, like the way that a lot of stuff is like handled so far. I mean, you know, I'm what like. 40% in through the whole thing at this point, probably, like, yeah. I I can't speak authoritatively on everything, but, like, I, I don't know, I think this is a fun and interesting way to synthesize ideas like gender and politics into, into Homestuck. Yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying it a lot so far. Um, yeah, uh, it's... It's it's good. It's good. Well, I was about to ask you how you felt about this reading, but I guess that's a good enough answer for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the I, I liked uh what you I liked the way that you framed um like Roxy's whole reflect or like Dave and Roxy's conversation on or like Roxy's question on like do you think people like do you think that like you people can change yeah like it's too late to change um. I don't know, I think that that's, like, a, a fun theme that, like, you can, uh, undoubtedly bring in as, like, part of an LGBT-centric story, or, like, frame it in, like, that way, but it's also just a good thing to ask in general, um, and I think it connects really well with, like, John's general thing, which I think is the more generally relatable, like, shit, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, it's good so far. It's good. Hell yeah. I, I do think that these two chapters are like the most fun part of, well, not these two chapters, these, these two epilogues, uh, Mm. are, are the most. I was gonna say, getting really specific with like, uh, the gender (laughs) conversation and then John and Terezi fucking. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the reading that we had today, let me, let me frame it like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, the reading that yeah. we had today, I do think are, like, the two most fun parts of Meat. Uh, just because of this, this like, narrator tug-of-war going on between Dirk and Calliope. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoy this segment a lot. 
because I, I think just mechanically, like the the actual like meta aspects of it, like the interjections from Dark when he's not the main narrator are are really fun. I, uh, the the like last chapter where like Dark starts like just talking out loud so that the story has to be centered on what he's doing is like really fun. Yeah. Like Dirk has like the need to like hear his own, like he has to hear his own voice. Yeah. Like he has to be the one talking. It's good. I like it. I, 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 I rereading the, these two were, were, were really fun for me. Uh huh. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's, it's probably, probably the most, most fun so far. Um, what, what, one line, yeah. one line that I just, just saw again, scrolling by that I, I, I feel like is not one we should really, like, gloss over and not mention. Uh, Dirk saying to Calliope, you don't even know my friends, they're not yours to toy with, they're mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting perspective. I hope that um we get more exploration of the ultimate self from somebody who isn't Dirk because like Dirk doesn't seem to be the most reliable narrator literally on the subject. Yeah. Um, and I I find it to be a really interesting idea. Um, and I I would like to explore more of it. Uh, yeah. There without the weird rose stuff that's happening. There have been theories about whether or not Dirk is actually his ultimate self at this point. Uh, I feel like this is, good. This is a fine point to bring this up. Uh, uh-huh. Because uh, it, it's, it's worth reiterating that the four alpha kids were just left there with Caliborn, like the teen versions. Uh, yeah. And Caliborn has uh, one of the narration consoles. Uh, so I, I've seen a few theories that like Teen Dirk is like in on it somehow, and, hmm. and is like using the 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 console that that Caliborn had. Uh, hmm. but I don't know. We're not done yet. That, we'll see how we that's... feel at the end of things. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair uh fair point of judgment to make. Alright. Um I think that we're probably at a pretty natural stopping point. What about you? Uh sure. <laughs> Alright, well you wanna wrap this one up then? Sure. Alright. Well in that case, uh you've been listening to a homestuck podcast. Uh I am Aiden. I'm John. John, we'd like to thank our patrons. I would love to relationship manager my favorite part of the patreon <laughs> I, I i still can't believe that's what it's called that's such a weird <laughs> uh shout outs to the big eight uh tezrak danny caffeine gareth f simon martins corin ina e and darsh thank you for money thank you guys all so much for money um if you guys, uh, if anyone uh, else listening would like to join uh, the illustrious names of our patrons, uh, you can go over to patreon.com slash ahpcast. Uh, you can give us a little bit of money um, if you want to uh, hear John read out your name in the end of the episode. Uh, or me, if you ask, but uh, John will do it by default. Um, they do a great job. Um, 
or if you want to get the episodes early on Saturdays instead of on Mondays, um, uh, maybe uh, check it out. Uh, maybe you may find something of interest there. Um, otherwise, uh, if not, um, that is also fine because I would also like to shout out uh, all of our regular listeners. Um, very cool, uh, as always, have anybody uh, here on this journey with us. Um, having a lot of fun. Uh, glad that everyone's on, along for the ride. Uh, and yeah, uh, shout out to all of you guys. Uh, keep staying awesome. Um, and as always, our third shout out goes to Alex, our artist and editor. Uh, he enables everything that we do. Uh, you would not be listening to us bullshit New Year's all day, uh, if not for him. So thank you so much to Alex. Uh, really is the greatest. Uh, we love him. Um, and with that, um, I didn't ask you what we were Hey, Aiden, what are, do, <laughs> what do, are do, we reading do, next week? Do, do you want... Okay. I'll, I'll let you sign us out on this one. John, what are we reading next week? Um, this one's going to be a surprise. Uh, Uh-oh. The, the, I'm pulling the rug out from up under you. Oh, uh, fuck. This is going to be an earth-shattering announcement. Uh, next week, we're going to be reading the rest of Meat. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. All right. I'm glad I didn't just make an assumption and say we're going to read, like, the next two. Yeah. Uh, uh, meat 6 and Meat 7 are, like, normal length, but Meat 8 is, like, one chapter, and then the postscript is one chapter. So ah. it's it's better to just knock it all out rather than having a, a two-chapter reading for the last reading of Meat. All right. Well, um, I, it, okay. Uh... We will see you next time uh, when we finish the meat epilogue. Woo! Uh, see you guys around. See ya.